I'm Rayelle Bell. And I'm Liz Ware. And you're listening to That's Brilliant, a podcast by the American Lighting Association. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that one in four of your customers is already using in their home. And it's a huge market and it is a very fast growing market. If you work in or run a showroom, you may well be using these products but you might not be making a lot of space for them in your showroom and you're missing out. Yes. So drum roll, please. What are we talking (laughs) about? (laughs) We're talking about smart control products and lighting controls and how these products are spanning many different areas. It's not just controlling your lighting. We're controlling our window shades, our Mm -hmm. music in our home, possibly our ovens or our washer and dryer or our thermostat or our doorbell but there is a huge growing market in just the lighting controls and what all is possible with those and i think it's important to to bring up here this isn't the easiest thing to bring into your showroom and so that's why we have such an incredible guest with us here today tim disley who is the director of sales for lighting showrooms at legrand which is a major controls company. I'm sure many of you are familiar and possibly even sell these products in your showroom. Mm -hmm. But Tim is going to dive into, you know, why this is complex, where the future of these control products is headed, and how you can just get started and, and make this available to your customers. Yeah, he's got some good ideas for how to make it simpler. There's a lot of clutter in the market. It's, you know, like he said, it's this huge growing market and there's more and more products all the time, more to pick from. And he talks about a way to kind of simplify and focus on something that will provide those capabilities for your customers' lighting systems. But before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Hinkley and Kitchler Lighting. Welcome, Tim. We're very glad to have you here. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I just want to bring up a topic right out of the box because it's something we've talked about before, and I know it's on a lot of consumers' minds. There are so many different options. Some control systems work with some control systems, which don't work with other control systems. Some will do some things that you want, but maybe none of them will do all the things you want. What's the current status of the market as a whole? Is it still evolving super fast or is it starting to settle down a little? No, it's actually probably evolving even faster at this Mm. point and getting more crowded and more complex as it evolves. It's such a huge and vast market. That's one of the reasons why you're seeing such tremendous growth in it right now. But really it begins and ends with the capabilities of your own Wi-Fi networks. You know, some of the things that you have set up in your home already. So, and that'll kind of dictate what kind of systems you can use and can't use and, and where you should kind of go from there. The market is expanding also outside of just lighting and what controls can do. It's including other products. Where do you see that going and how can ALA members follow along and and keep up with the complexity of all of that? So where they can follow along is they absolutely should be following along. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not a question of, you know, whether or not they should be following along. I mean, just to give you, I mean, a couple of statistics, the global smart home market right now in 2022 is about $126 billion. And it's growing at a compounded annual growth rate of about 17.5% a year. So in four years, it's expected to be at about $207 billion. So it's probably a business you want a piece of. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, now that's globally and it includes a lot of different things, right? Kind of like what you were saying, you know, I mean, there's, there's a tremendous market out there, an appetite really for smart devices. But if you just look at the U.S. and you just look at what impacts us, the market is, I mean, is incredibly strong. The overall market just for all products is expected to grow from about $23 billion to $51 billion by 2026, just in the U.S. Wow. I mean, it's significant. But if you just go to where we actually play, which is connected devices, kind of um, you know, hub-based or gateway-based or bridge-based products, that market itself is expected to grow from $5.7 billion in 2020 to 13.5, so almost tripling by 2026. So again, a huge market. Just light bulbs. I mean, if you just looked at just smart light bulbs as a segment by itself, that's expected to grow from $2.5 billion to $4.7 billion. I mean, think about that. That's just light bulbs. That's smart light bulbs mm -hmm. only. So if you're not playing in this game, you're missing a huge opportunity. Right. And speaking of that opportunity, right before ALA conference, I'm not sure if you saw this already, but we had an, a little survey of our members preparing uh, for a presentation that you were part of asking showrooms, were they selling products? How knowledgeable are their, their teams on controls, smart controls? And what kind of things are they missing in order to get to the point that they're able to sell controls in their showrooms? And there was a lot that they were, they were missing and the overall percentage of sales was pretty low. So we're at this point right now, how do we help ALA showrooms get to the place where they are selling these control products in an effective and profitable way? Well, first of all, I mean, this is a start, right? I mean, us having this conversation right now, mm -hmm. um, as well as what we did at the conference. But I, I think that it's important for them to do a little bit of research. The challenge that I think most people have, consumers anyways, is that the marketplace is so crowded and so diluted, it's really hard to figure out what, and that's why they would go to a showroom, right? To get right. the information, right? So the showroom should be the ones that are really the experts on this. Now, in some cases, they've seeded some of that over to integrators, things like that, where you know that's more their world. But the fact is, is that the consumers are the ones that should be making that decision, not the showrooms. In some cases, the, the consumer wants to do the work themselves. You know, maybe they just want to use voice as an interface and, and you know, talk to their lights, or which is, by the way, probably the most common way to do it today. If you were just to do a quick search, you'd find that there's thousands and thousands of products out there that would satisfy that need, but may not be right for the customer. So let's talk for a minute about the scale of what's possible. On one end, you're going to have the billionaire with the compound where everything is automated and it's all the AV and the shades and the everything is controlled and you've got specialists who work on that sort of thing. But besides that, what are kind of the typical high-end home and then the typical Thing that a consumer can kind of handle on their own with some help from some experts. Yeah. So then they absolutely do exist in both worlds, right? The high-end homes with the really complicated systems, you know, that involves quite a bit, right? You do have to have an mm -hmm. integrator, you have, to have a system that you select, right? And there's a lot of different systems out there. Mm -hmm. That integrator is basically responsible for your home. I mean, they, you know, if you want to change things, you're going to have to go to them. You're going to have to do things with them. The real heart of the matter, and I think the majority of this growth that we're going to see is going to be more of the 
individuals doing it themselves. The big integrator systems are going to be there and they always will be at that high end. But at the end of the day, the majority of the business, that whole middle group, the, the biggest part, is probably going to be doing research, you know, and trying to find out what they can online and then go into a showroom and ask them about it. And that's where we want to be, right? Because there are less integrated systems that give you a lot of flexibility and can do things. In fact, when you first, I think the very first question list that you asked was about, you know, how do you choose a system and where, you know, what are the capabilities of any individual system? And they're all good. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody makes a very good system, but they all do have different capabilities and you, you got to do a little bit of research to see where they're at. But, you know, again, with a global market like this, or even in the U S market, there's room for everybody. Maybe that's an area where a showroom, if they could devote some resources to this, to kind of figure out what's most needed in their market, what the people in their area are going to want and find the systems that can provide a couple of different versions of that and, and be able to, to help someone. We've talked in the past about showrooms with a lot of lighting experience, finding an integrator to partner with. In some cases, ALA members have found an integrating company to purchase, but to somehow combine the two things so that you've got some expertise in the integrator area so you can make recommendations. Yeah, so I think where the, the challenge for most showrooms is that knowing what their customer knows is a challenge. So, I mean, again, you know, just to look at some of the numbers, you know, just as voice as an interface, as an example. And that was what I focused on when we were talking about it at the conference. And that mm -hmm. is the small distance, right? Something that you talk to, to, to tell things to happen in your home. Right. The penetration on this using smart assistants like a, an Echo or a, a Google Assistant or that Apple HomePod is growing at about 30% a year. And currently it's about 50% of the U.S. Just smart devices. That's not including phones, right? And if you really look at it, it's almost 100% as far as penetration goes. We can all talk to something and get an answer, right? But what we found, you know, Amazon and Google and those companies actually tell you exactly what people are asking for. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. we can get the research from them to find out what they're using them for, right? Most of it's like listening to music, things like that. But on the information or the data that we were able to pull, um, we found that just controlling smart home devices like light bulbs, about 43% of the people that have those devices have tried it, you know, tried to, mm -hmm. to do that. What's interesting is, is that 25% of them use it every day. Wow. Wow. So the people that are using it are using it very regularly. So one in four people that walk into the showrooms are probably already using some kind of a smart assistant at home mm -hmm. to do basic tasks, mm -hmm. including turning lights on and off, you know, which is really the number one. In fact, U.S. smart speaker owners are six times more likely to own smart lighting controls. That makes sense. If you're you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, for me, I always tell people, you got to understand that the people coming in have some basic knowledge probably already of this and are mm -hmm. using it in many cases. And every time I sit down and do, you know, these trainings with groups, it's literally about one in four that are there. Now, of course, I'm usually sitting in on them and I use them. So that's not fair in some cases, but <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the number of people. I was in a, a meeting last week where three out of the six people in the meeting had, were using it every day. So, you know, it's common, let me put it that way. And so I think it's important for them to understand that their customers are probably already using it. I've actually said, set up an area in your showroom 
mm-hmm. you know, representing smart devices, whether it's light bulbs or systems or whatever, and, and make it easy on them. But they're going to come to them for the, the help and support. And so they should be prepared. That's, I think that's some of the concern is that when you sell a light fixture, your customer goes away and installs it and and it's all good. You don't hear from them again. When you sell a customer a system to help them turn their lights on and off, they're going to call you the next day and say, wait a minute, I don't know how this works or it was working and now it's not working or how do you do this? Or, you know, it, it's an ongoing constant kind of process. That's the hang What's up. Interesting is, yeah, right. What's interesting is, is that the integrators make most of their money on the setup and the ma- maintenance of the system, right? That's what they do. The maintenance, the okay. Costs the next, yeah, costs X amount of dollars, but the maintenance too. I mean, if somebody wants to change some of the details of their system, they have to go back to the integrator and they charge typically by the hour to do those fixes, whether it's online through their Wi-Fi network or whether it's in person, but they do charge to do it. I mean, that's part of the deal. And sometimes I think the showrooms shy away from that uh, probably because of the lack of training, but also, you know, there's, you know, people involved in things like, um, you know, how do I cover myself on the floor if this guy goes out to take a look at the system? But it's also a great revenue opportunity. Right. Well, so you've kind of stumbled onto maybe a little bit of a touchy subject, but how do showrooms, so there's integrators that are getting lighting knowledge and understanding more about lighting and installation and just lighting design. But so these showrooms that have all of that expertise, where do they go to get the integrator knowledge and understand how to you know, start providing that service? Well, I think you need to find, again, where your niche is, right, which is probably not doing full on integrations with these big giant systems, unless you want to go down that path. I mean, we have a right. tremendous number of showrooms that do that already. But um, I think you need to find a vendor that's going to satisfy whatever it is that your needs are, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. support on the technical side or from the customer service side or whether it's the system itself. And again, you know, the systems are somewhat consistent in the way that, you know, they're going to work. You know, pick one. Mm-hmm. Of course, I prefer ours, but, you know, pick one. <laughs> and then get the understanding and the training that's required. And in some cases, I think one of the best things that you can do in a showroom is actually put some of the product in there mm-hmm. so that you can actually work with it and your customers and, and salespeople will have that kind of working knowledge of what the system requires. Right. Using it in the best ways to understand, especially the what hiccups you're going to hear about later. Well, yeah, also as a sales tool. I mean, if somebody walks into the showroom and you've got a cool setup that hey, you can do this and you can do this and you can do this. Sure. Yeah, we want that. that. Yeah, we've done that in quite a few showrooms. And it's kind of fun when somebody walks in and says, Google turned, you know, cloud number nine on. And then it comes on, they're kind of looking around going, what, what was that? How'd you do that? Which brings, you know, which again leads you right down that path into adding on to the sale. One of the things I used to always say as a, when I was a showroom manager was, is there's two ways to, to make more money. One is to, to advertise and go out and try to find customers and bring them in. The other is to sell the customer you have in front of you more. Mm. And oftentimes it's a lot easier to sell the customer you have in front of you more, right? Sure. And from a service standpoint, offer them everything that's available so that they're not disappointed when they go home and find out that something you have to offer was not presented to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I, I think it's just, it's a much easier path for me. You know, marketing dollars are probably pretty tight right now out there. And so if you've got a customer standing in front of them, go ahead and show them everything you got. We'll get back to our conversation in just a minute. But first, a message from our sponsors. This year, Hinkley is celebrating a century of style. That's 100 years in business. Hinkley is proud to be a fourth-generation family company 
with the mission of providing customers with exceptional lighting and ceiling fan products. They understand the passion their customers feel for their homes and are dedicated to helping them realize their vision. Learn more about the company, including some incredible charity work they do, at Hinkley.com. Kitchler Lighting is more than just a lighting company. They're a bring-people-together company focused on strengthening and growing relationships. They're constantly innovating, creating on-trend designs, and delivering high-quality product. Learn more and find inspiration and ideas at kitchler.com. So you've talked a lot about voice control. Another area is automation. How important is automation? Is people want that in their systems to be able to automate when their lights turn on and off throughout the day? No, I think it's a great feature, right? You know, whether it's sensors to turn lights on and off when, you know, things happen. Mm -hmm. In some cases, it's mandated, right? I mean, in California with Title 24, there's a lot of restrictions that require that lights come on or off at specific times or are controlled specifically. So you're mm -hmm. kind of pushed into some of that, whether it's with a vacancy sensor in a bathroom or, or mm -hmm. outdoor lights have certain requirements with photo cells and things like that as well. So there's a certain amount of automation, I think, that goes along with it. And then, you know, almost every system gives the opportunity to set scenes and also to set up timed events, you know, so that lights do go on and off at, at specific times. So I think there's a need for it, how much people use it. The, the funny thing is, is when you do use those, a lot of times they're so out of sight, out of mind that you even forget that you have them. Right. So for these kind of mid-range systems that aren't some, you know, huge commercial building where everything talks to everything, but the kind of thing that a consumer might come into a showroom and get, are they mostly around lighting? Are there other things that you can add into that or not yet so much? Well, I think the most common, right? When you look at everything, when I talked about that $207 billion global market, appliances are getting smarter. So are the HVAC systems, you know, and typically most people understand ring doorbell and nest thermostats. Sure. You know, based on the frequency that my ring notifications go off, a lot of people have them. <laughs> and so I think that people actually understand, and again, that's why we have to give them more credit, right? Because people are already, people probably already have a ring doorbell, mm. the average system, right? I mean, our customer base, that higher, more luxury driven customer is probably going to already have something. Mm -hmm. that they'll have a Nest thermostat, they'll have a, a ring doorbell. And then lighting controls would really be the most common the or next, most, yeah, yeah, that next step, right? The mm -hmm. that natural evolution is, is okay, well, we got the ring doorbell down, we've got the Nest thermostat down, now let's do lighting controls. And bulbs, uh, like you talked about, the smart bulb market, I mean, I feel like that's very common. I don't know, maybe it's just me personally, but the first thing I did when I didn't want to like go through and change the whole system when we moved in was I at least put smart bulbs in that I could set and automate for certain areas and outdoors and not have to think about. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing really. I mean, it's so when you get into a system based thing, right. Going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about how do you determine what size and, you know, and I said, it, it kind of begins with the network because you want to make sure that you have the capabilities as you add more light bulbs. And as you add more individual or single devices, that don't necessarily have a hub that yeah. controls all of them, then what happens is depending again on your network quality, you begin to eat up network space, right? You only right. have so much bandwidth within your network. And so, you know, you have to be careful. The more of those you add, the slower your network can become or, the, you know, limited capabilities can push some things out when you bring new things in. So you always have yeah. to be very careful. Whereas yeah, with a hub-based system, one hub controls a lot of devices. 
Mm -hmm. then it gives you the flexibility of maintaining your network integrity without giving up a lot of space, but in fact, having probably even more control. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I run into issues all the time. I just haven't made the the leap. (laughs) (laughs) See, now I haven't done this yet, so I wasn't aware of that. You can maybe start out with a couple of independent little light bulbs, but if they're going to eat up so much bandwidth at some point, jumping to a system where they're all dealing with the system and the system is controlling the traffic on your network. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I mean, under the circumstances with Rails House, you could have one gateway that controls all those devices and using just regular lamps as opposed to the the others. But again, if it's a smaller space, a smaller area, they may work great. Right. Because that may be all you need. You don't need to have 15 rooms being controlled. Mm -hmm. I don't have 15 rooms in my house. Why? (laughs) So what is coming? What's next? Terry McGowan, the resident engineer at ALA, talks about things like HVAC talking to your ceiling fans and keeping you feeling cooler while using less energy. Is that close? I think it's a lot closer than people think. It's interesting. When we, Legrand first started this, lighting was a significant part of your energy bill. Mm Mm-hmm up 15 to 20%, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But with the advent of technology, it's now down literally under 5%, I believe. Wow. Um, so it's going to be hard to save a lot of energy going forward. But the fact that you can actually, the comfort aspect to it, knowing mm-hmm. that lights will be on when you get home, knowing that your HVAC system is going to understand that the ceiling fan, if I speed that up a little bit, it's going to slow things down and make, you know, make it's going to be a much com- more comfortable house. Mm-hmm just organically from the the changes that are probably things we wouldn't even notice. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think that ultimately devices are going to be in communication with each other. And there's a lot of different protocols, right? The language that these devices speak. And one of the more common Zigbee is becoming much more relevant from the standpoint that a lot of companies across all these various product categories mm-hmm. are starting to look to a protocol that can speak to each other. So you're starting to see more and more using a specific protocol. Some will stay, you know, with their own branded protocol, which is great. I mean, that's fine. But, you know, as we go forward and things get smarter, I guess there's quotes around the smarter thing. I'm not sure. I've I've got a a washing machine and a dryer that both are Wi-Fi enabled, which I'm still not sure why. (laughs) My oven is Wi-Fi enabled. (laughs) Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, that's great. I guess I could, you know, until it starts loading the clothes and drying the clothes and moving from one to the other, then it's probably not that hard as far as I'm concerned. But um, if my dishwasher so, could tell when it was full and then start at like 2 a.m., you know, during the hot heat of the summer, that's that's the dishwasher, the smart dishwasher I'm going to want. Right, right. Which, by the way, <laughs> probably come. I, I figure. You know, yeah. I mean, if you're thinking about it, it's probably already there. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're just waiting. But uh I think ultimately, yeah, you'll find that that the devices are going to be communicating between themselves. Makes sense, you know, to smarten up the home as much as you can and save as much energy as you can. I mean, clearly energy costs aren't going down. Mm-hmm. Right. And utilities obviously want that. How involved are utilities with smart products like these? Well, you know, utilities are involved with smart products in general. I mean, they're very, very active in the way that they're going. I mean, the utilities are what drove that energy cost down. I mean, the lighting by itself, if it wasn't for utilities, we probably wouldn't be at 5%. But, you know, they threw a lot of money and resources at, at trying to get everybody to switch. And then, of course, mandating some of it. 
I think it's fascinating to me how a few years ago, the uproar over the incandescent lamp going away lasted such a short period of time because it turns out that LED lamps are pretty darn good. <laughs> In fact, have a lot more flexibility than an incandescent lamp and save a tremendous amount of energy. So Again, things are happening in the background very, very quickly, and we're all going to be, you know, in a smart home situation, whether we want it or not. You're not going to be able to devices without it. So, um, <laughs> by the way, Rail, I do have both my, my microwave and my stove are Wi-Fi enabled. Again, don't know why. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes I'm outside playing with my son and I preheat the oven from my phone while I'm outside and don't have to go in. So I say, you know... <laughs> That's the one, there the you one are, you know, mocking the idea that you use. Yeah. <laughs> well, that again is the funny part, right? Is, is it becomes a part of our normal life and we, we just go about our business. I mean, I don't know anybody's phone number anymore because I mm -hmm. just say, hey, you know, so-and-so call. I, I would say her name, but she'd probably call right now. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so well, it's gone from even searching for the name and the context to just saying it and, and dialing the number. So. So yeah, when we talk about smart home, it seems like kind of a far off different thing. But then if we think about all the other things we do, it's really here and it's not even creeping anymore. It's coming fast and we'll be doing it before we even realize it. Yes. And we are actually doing it already. <laughs> we are. So yeah, it's um, again, you know what the problem for, I think the lighting control side of it and for our showroom partners is just the amount of clutter that's out there. And again, mm -hmm. you've just got to find something that you feel comfortable with and don't ignore it because they're going to buy it somewhere. Right. Right. And so, as I said, at the conference, my title is director of showroom sales. I'm really tied to the showrooms. And so I would really love them to engage with the smart lighting specifically, but smart homes in general and don't shy away from it because again, their customers are using it. If you have a little smart lighting section in your, your showroom, you know, showing some bulbs and fixtures and, and devices, it lets them know you're in the game and that, you know, if they want that expertise, come see us because mm -hmm. we can clear out some of that clutter. And there's a lot of it. That's incredibly insightful because, yeah, how many people bought some smart thing that's a pain to work and you go to a showroom where it's all working fine and they know the system that's not a mess? Absolutely. Good advice. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming and talking to us. It's my pleasure. So I think the message here is, Liz, don't run from this. It's kind of scary to jump in if you're not already, you know, selling controls or making that a big part of your business in the showroom setting. But this is one of the biggest market opportunities available right now. You mentioned this survey that showrooms responded to, and they said that they were missing pieces and it was kind of everything. But what were some of the specific things that showrooms focused on that they needed? It was training on the product it was what else as far as training goes there were quite a few different areas that showrooms you know struggle with and are looking for help on and that's you know application of the products it's the idea of smart homes in general you know understanding even just the basics of lighting controls you know they have that obviously we're not talking about dimmers and and those right things that, the that smart controls companies really understand already, but mm -hmm. yeah, smart controls and, and kind of what's capable and, and what people are looking for. And then that third-party integration area is obviously a huge hangup. Um, that can be really difficult to figure out, you know, are you doing that within your showroom or are you working with, you know, another integrator and how does the long-term relationship of that look? Tim's advice about 
picking a system and kind of sticking with that really made a lot of sense. If, if you don't have to learn 12 different systems, I mean, he talked about the clutter in the industry, and I think that's kind of a, a huge point. If you pick a good system and train a couple of your folks on that and offer that to your customers, it's a great upsell. If they're in buying, a, you know, whatever they're buying, a, a whole home design or a room refresh or a fixture, it's if it's an upsell that you can have kind of at your fingertips and, and ready to go, there's a big opportunity there. That kind of brings up another topic that was a hang up for our showrooms. And that's that lighting controls are often provided by the builder or the contractor to the customers that are coming in. But if you take what Tim said and you work with the customer that's already in front of you, so maybe they do have a system that's already in their home, but maybe it isn't a smart system. Maybe you right. just have, you know, lighting control dimmer products, or maybe there is a smart aspect of it that could be expanded upon or improved upon. So taking that opportunity and it might not be every customer, it might right. not always work, but letting them know what's capable, you know, they might not be aware of what they're missing. So that's mm -hmm. your opportunity to educate them. Absolutely. And yes, when you're working with someone who's working with a builder and, and building a new home, that's one thing, but there are also the people who, who have their, who've been living in their homes for a long time and are, you know, looking to buy a new fixture or moving into a home that that isn't newly built. So there are lots of opportunities there. Yes, there are. And this is a complicated topic. So, mm -hmm. you know, our listeners, let us know after you listen, send us an email at podcast at alalighting.com and, and let us know what we didn't touch on, what you're missing, what the issues that you're experiencing as you're working with customers are. And maybe we can dive into some of that in a future episode to help clarify and, and make this, you know, as seamless as possible. Absolutely. On this topic, or if you have other topics you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Hitchler Lighting and Hinkley for supporting this podcast. Stay brilliant.